We've thrown it. We have thrown it out there at Fast Lane Ed Lane Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. So you can chime in as we get the insight now from a Hall of Famer who has plenty of perspective, including articles he's recently written on the Liberty Flames, the JMU Dukes, as well as his regular work covering Virginia Tech and Virginia for Richmond.com. And surely coming up in the next couple of days, the William and Mary Tribe, who will head to Charlottesville for a noon kickoff this coming Saturday. None other than David Teal of Richmond.com back with us here in the fast lane. David, we put it out there on our social media platform, so we'll get your expert take. If you had to give us the best team in the Commonwealth of Virginia in college football as it stands right now, where are you going and why? No, it's not a debate. It's, it's James Madison. Sitting there at, at, at 5-0. I know Liberty is 4-0, but I think the Dukes have played a decidedly stronger schedule that includes a road win against the reigning Sunbelt Conference champion in Troy. Won three consecutive road games and took care of business against the South Alabama team that routed Oklahoma State on the road. So, James Madison, easy choice. Easy for you based on not just how the Dukes have looked, but the combination of strength of schedule and then maybe the most impressive part, after the win against Virginia, they had two more road games, including the third, when you would think they were the most physically gassed. And granted, Utah State's not great, but at that elevation is not easy, and yet they took care of business on all three in a professional manner. And I believe Utah State has been to a bowl in 10 of the last 12 seasons. I agree with you. They're not great. But it is a quality program. And to travel the 2,000 miles that you referenced for a, you know, on the road for a third consecutive week at altitude and to, to win that game very impressive. It is for JMU. They're at the top of the Commonwealth. Of course, they've got a head-to-head win at Virginia under their belt earlier this year. You referenced Liberty. Is it being undone by the strength of schedule? That's not been the greatest for them this year. Uh, not not looking at what lies ahead, but just what they've done so far. Or is it more the fact that you know, against what's a softer schedule, they have clearly looked better in their last two games before the bye. Wins at Buffalo and Florida International, but it's not been complete performances, as many Flames fans actually honestly thought would be the case over the first four games of the year. Well, Conference USA it is probably the weakest of the group of five leagues. And, you know, here comes next on Liberty's schedule, winless Sam Houston, which is a transitioning program in its first year of transitioning from FCS to FPS. Now, an FCS power in the 2020 national champion. But, you know, that's another win that the Flames should, should pick up. And I believe, I was researching this the other day, this is the first season in a decade that Liberty will not play a Power 5 opponent. I mean, that dates back to the Flames' time in the FCS. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's the first time, and some of it can be attributed to their you know, recent success. Granted, these schedules also had to be constructed with the move 
from an independent to a Conference USA team and having to just navigate how to put a schedule together because yep. of that. Um, how realistic is that to say that, you know, it's not necessarily Liberty's fault, but by virtue of that transition, when you're moving from you know, one conference to the other, or in Liberty's case, from no conference to a different conference or to a conference, that you get stuck in these awkward spots like Liberty has this year where it doesn't meet the perfect idea of having a couple of regional rivalries, maybe one FCS and then a Power 5 team, but instead you're just left with whatever you can take. Case in point, JMU playing at Utah State. The only reason that game got played is because JMU has had difficulty scheduling, especially scheduling Power 5 opponents, even on the road because the Dukes have been so successful. And that's part of Liberty's issue as well. David Teal of Richmond.com, Hall of Fame columnist. He's also at By David Teal on Twitter to keep up with his work there up to the second, of course. Um, For the scheduling challenges, we've heard about it for football and for basketball to an extent as well as success comes. Does the college football playoff change that component when it expands to 12 teams because you could afford a loss or is it unlikely to ever really change just because of the theoretical risk reward of playing a challenging non-conference game that's not against an equal power five team in the eyes of other power five programs going on the road against a group of five opponent is in essence a losing proposition for a power five Because if you lose, then it's almost like you've been branded. And case in point, Virginia Tech losing an Old Dominion each of the last two times that the Hokies have gone to Norfolk. Um, And it just doesn't look good. And the the fans get upset, and uh, it's just the optics are not good. The the risk-reward quotient there doesn't work for group of five it's going to be fascinating more to your question to see what impact if any the 12 team playoff will have on scheduling philosophies and i think that is going to rest upon the selection committee and just how much emphasis that group, which fluctuates from year to year, that's that's the difficult needle to thread here, but how much emphasis does the selection committee put on strength of schedule when it comes to those last, say, two to three at-large spots? Pivoting away from the uh, top teams in the Commonwealth of Virginia, which happen to be group of five teams, JMU and Liberty, to the others in the Commonwealth of Virginia. The Hokies and the Cavaliers. Starting with Virginia Tech, David, how necessary for the psyche of the program was Saturday's victory against a, granted, underwhelming pit team by their standards, but still a team that had had Virginia Tech's number in recent years? Had it in a big way, and Pitt had beaten Tech four of the last five years, and those four wins were by a combined 100 points. I mean, they were smoking them. And last year, you'll remember, Izzy Abanacandon went for 300-plus against Tech and broke Tony Dorsett's single-game school rushing record. That's how big a day he had. 
No, it was it was large. Tech had lost six consecutive games to ACC opponents and nine consecutive games to Power Five opponents. The Hokies needed that one desperately, especially what beckons them Saturday afternoon. It does because they go to Florida State. How do you spin this trip if you're Virginia Tech? And I mean, obviously you're going and trying to win if you're the program. But what's realistic to expect out of Virginia Tech? Is it hang in there for a half? Is it not get totally shellacked and embarrassed? Is it come out of there reasonably healthy against a team that is I mean, coming off of a bye and has looked pretty good for the majority of the year? Has looked really good and is clearly, I believe, the most gifted roster in the conference and one of the most gifted in the country. And I was looking at some databases on point spreads. In the last quarter century, Virginia Tech's never been this big an underdog. I mean, the last number I saw was like 24, 24 and a half. And that's unheard of for the Hokies. And that's a combination of the program has declined over the years. And Florida State is really good. And really good on both sides of the ball. And what does success look like for Virginia Tech? Certainly good health coming out of there. You know, probably the biggest upset win that the Hokies have had in the last 20 years was at Ohio State in 2015. When they, when they go, or no, excuse me, 2013, the first year of the college football playoff, when the Buckeyes won the national championship, and they got, the Hokies got so banged up that they just couldn't finish out the rest of the year. They lost games they shouldn't have. And I think that that's a concern. And yeah, all the confidence and good vibes that you derived from Saturday night at Lane Stadium. You don't want them to vanish in one afternoon in Tallahassee. Flipping to the other side, a team that is just looking for a win however they can get it, but cannot seem to find it. How down on you are the Virginia Cavaliers? How down are you on the Virginia Cavaliers, David? And the direction they're heading with this 0-5 start to year two of the Tony Elliott era. It's it's hard not to be down. I know that <clears throat> several of the five have been very close and could have gone the other way. But Ed Virginia was leading Boston College twenty-one to seventeen at halftime on Saturday. Boston College entering that game had the ACC's twelfth ranked rushing defense. That's among fourteen teams. Translation, they were bad against the run. And Virginia got outrushed in the second half, 162-10. to 10. UVA gained 39 yards in the second half against a bad defense. Is it reasonable to ask the tough questions? as David Teal is with us in the fast lane and we'll throw those your way of whether Tony Elliott's the guy, if he's in over his head, if he's the guy that has the solutions, given that 
While Virginia Tech, they've struggled, they've shown signs of progress, especially when fully healthy. Whereas Virginia, while you mentioned it, they've been in a number of close games. It almost feels like, or at least it seems like it, because the 0-5 record would indicate this, David, they also can't seem to find ways to pull out those close games right now. They can't. They, they, they clearly don't know how to win. And as every coach will tell you, that is something that you have to learn. And usually the process is painful. And Virginia is enduring that right now. I think it's too soon to draw any conclusions as to whether Tony Elliott is in over his head I think it's absolutely fair to question some of the offensive play calling from from Des Kitchings, uh, the coordinator. I think it's absolutely fair to question some of the special teams coaching under coordinator Keith Gaither. Um, I mean, they have had repeated special teams breakdowns. You know, most glaring against James Madison and Maryland and NC State, just things you cannot have happen that cost you football games. Uh, those Those are fair questions to ask. David Teal, Richmond.com at by David Teal, and he's also got the Teal and Barber podcast. He is with us here in the Fast Lane, W226 BG Timberlake, WVGMA in Lynchburg, WMNA, Gretna, Danville, Southside, all part of the Virginia Talk Radio Network, and of course, the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app. Not that misery has to love company, but is there a level of, hey, be patient when you criticize Virginia's roster turnover, given that Arguably the most high profile of those pieces, Brennan Armstrong, just got benched as he was supposed to have been able to resurrect his career, reuniting with Robert and I at NC State, and instead, it clearly did not turn out well for their first five games of the year in Raleigh. It did not, but NC State's 3-2 and two and beat UVA in Scott Stadium with Brennan Armstrong at quarterback. So, um, you know, you can... You can go ahead if, if if you're a Virginia fan and and clutch on that pearl if you'd like, but it's 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 pretty thin. Not the biggest pearl in the ocean, if you will. David Teal, he has pearls of wisdom as evidenced by being a Hall of Famer and, of course, continuing his great work at Richmond.com and by David Teal on Twitter. And we look forward to the next Teal and Barber podcast that will drop with your colleague Mike Barber of Richmond.com. David. Thank you for your time today in the fast lane. We much we greatly appreciate it and wishing you well until we speak and see you again. Sounds great, Ed. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure. David Teal with us here in the fast lane with quite a bit of real talk. Teal talk equals real talk here in the fast lane. When we return tomorrow, more of that. Plus, we will chat with some of your feedback. In the meantime... It's not time to go live to the Zach Gelb show, but it is time to get ready to go. Did you give the ID? Yes, I did. Okay. On W two six BG Timberlake WVGMA Avalanche for WMA Gretna Danville Southside. Just for a second time to make you feel a little bit okay. more at ease. Today. I didn't know if I heard it. To go live to, uh, we don't know. <laughs>